the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is Thursday, May 25th. It's a big basketball show. Um, game five, Boston, Miami tonight. Total, who does it? No idea where this one's going. Um, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for a longer series here. I think it's been a good battle. But we're going to talk about the series that just finished with Keith Smith. That is the Lakers. It's not just about what do they do next, but the Austin Reeves conversation, which I know it's getting a lot of wind. It's worthy. There's a there's a restricted free agency conversation to be had every year. Most of the times it never pans out. It either turns into a trade or just a nothing extension. And uh, I don't think that's going to be the case here with Austin Reeves. I think there's going to be teams that come in firing hot, especially some of these young teams, maybe even the Spurs, who now have won the lottery with Wimignana and want to immediately start to build. And uh, the Lakers certainly need to keep him because he did plenty throughout the regular season and through the postseason to prove that he is a viable number three option behind the Twin Towers of LeBron and Anthony Davis. So Keith's got tons of thoughts and, and specifics on what the Lakers can do initially, what an outside team can offer in terms of an offer sheet, why this is a poison pill situation, and uh, his thoughts on where this might be headed for both sides. And then we talk a little bit more about the Lakers themselves, bunch of UFAs, couple of option decisions, uh, a tax situation to think about. Are, are, how are they going to operate from a timing standpoint this offseason? And what does that mean for players they can bring in July 1st when it's free agency? And the wheels start to turn for the 2023 season. And then, because it gets harder and harder every year to evaluate this, the top free agents in the NBA when July 1st gets here, it's a trade league. It's an extension league. It's really not a free agent league anymore. And a lot of the sports leagues are going in this direction. If you're good enough, you're just going to get the contract and we'll deal with what we have to do later, later. Um, but there are some names and Keith's got a pretty solid top 10 and reasoning for it and some financials surrounding it. Um, and there are notable names. It's just, this is not the uh, scrape in the bottom of the barrel to pull some, some, some names together, even though on our free agent tracker, you don't have to scroll too far to start finding complimentary backup wings. Right? It's, uh, it's not a deep off season from a free agency standpoint, but Keith has identified at least 10 names that should be in play for most of these teams with cap space in the next couple of months. But first, a little NFL at the top here. Austin Eckler worked out a renegotiated final contract year with the Los Angeles Chargers to remain for the 2023 season. He'll be age 28 and change through the upcoming season, which is that bugaboo age for running backs, as you know. And clearly when he was given a chance to explore a trade, to explore an ex a contract extension with another team, he did not find what he was looking for because he is right back here at the cost of a 1.75 max incentive package, which we don't have the actual specifics for, but we have enough to understand what's happening here. Um, he can gain a million dollars if he goes 1,600 plus yards from scrimmage. Uh, he got pretty damn close to that last season. So about 75% of that is going to be likely to be earned. So there's some, there's some cap implications here. No, no question about it. From a touchdown standpoint, he had a huge season last year, as you know, if you if you drafted him high in fantasy and rewarded for it. Okay, this was an 18 touchdown season in 2022 for Austin Eckler. He only needs to get to 16 to get to max out at 600,000 in incentives. So all of that is likely to be earned. And that would mean 1.6 million. And the other one, uh, 150,000 comes from a pro bowl, pro birth, something he has never received in his career. 
So there's the 175. There's incremental thresholds and tiers built into the yards and the touchdowns. Um, you have to think he's, if he's healthy, he's going to get here. And that's how he's thinking. So uh, at the end of the day, it's not a multi-year extension. It's not brand new guaranteed money. It's simply if you're the same player you were last year, maybe even a slightly better from a yards from scrimmage standpoint, we'll tack on 175 to the 6.25 you were set to make this year which would mean 8 million cash for the 2023 season. And if I run the rankings from running back cash for the upcoming season, 8 million is 13th ahead of Miles Sanders behind James Conner, way behind the three franchise tag players and Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley and uh, the Henry's and the Chubbs and the Aaron Jones of the world are well, well above that number as well. The, uh, the breadwinner is going to be Bijan Robinson with that signing bonus on the rookie contract. But from a true base value, Christian McCaffrey at $12 million is the highest cash salary for running backs in 2023 with Alvin Kamara at $11 million right behind him, though he may lose a bit of that from suspension if things kind of work out uh, the way we think they're going to work out in the next couple of months here. So that's it. Um, an incentive package that gets him basically to top 14 cash for one year. That's what it is. That's where the running back market is. I, I hate to beat a dead horse with this stuff, but it's uh, it's just the way of the world right now. Teams are going to let them let these kind of players go out and explore trades because honestly, if you can get a decent draft pick for a player like this that is considered to be replaceable, even though I think some stand above that moniker, the teams would would rather go that route. That's why we're going to see Delvin Cook released here. Uh, it's why I think Derrick Henry is, is on the bubble right now. I don't know what that Tennessee team is doing. I believe Joe Mixon remains on the bubble. I don't know the Saquon Barkley future. Does he ever sign this franchise tag? Does he forfeit $10 million? Probably not. Same with Josh Jacobs uh, and, and so on and so on. We saw great running backs, really good three-down running backs, earn themselves about $1.3 million this year, the Damian Harris's of the world. Uh, and there were four or five names out there. It's just where we're going. You know, Rashad Penny had, the, had the, a career year, turned it into $1.35 million, 25% of that guaranteed at signing. You know, that's just where we're headed. So uh, get used to it. I'm going to continue to talk about it. And I'm going to continue to point out when players rise above it. So if there is a situation, right, where Saquon Barkley does bag a four for 60 with even two years of that fully guaranteed, we're going to highlight it as much as possible because it's something that's it's going to become a unicorn situation soon. The McCaffrey contract might be the last big running back contract we ever see at this position. It's perfectly possible that this this position operates solely through the draft and that even as a first round pick with a good contract with good cash, right? Bijan's going to make himself upwards of 30 million here. Excuse me, 22 million here as the number eight overall pick, that's fully guaranteed. There is a fifth year option, which can push this thing past 30 million. That's going to be considered great money at this position, even with the cap rising into the two fifties at some point in time here. That's just where we are. You need four running backs. You need four wide receivers too. And you need three tight ends and you need, now you need three quarterbacks rostered. So everybody's going to have depth, but no position has been deflated more than this one. And uh, Austin Eckler's, unsuccessful triumph through finding more guaranteed money is just the latest indication that this thing is not getting any better, but in fact is actually getting worse. Running backs, by the way, should settle for this incentive package if it's the only option. They should. They should, they should, be, they should take as much money as humanly possible available to them 
and just go out there and earn it. And, and just to keep this train moving. At some point in time, there, there may be a shift. There may be a world where defenses are schemed possible to take away the pass, even though the game is literally built from a rule standpoint to be a passing league. And that the injuries at some point in time in the passing game start to add up or come or near what we were seeing from the running game and the ground and pound attack. It's possible that this thing is cyclical and it comes back at some point in time, but we are at the bottom of that barrel right now for the running back. And unfortunately, Austin Eckler is the last evidence of that. Okay. Let's talk some basketball. It's a great conversation with Keith coming up next on all things Lakers, Austin Reeves and NBA free agency. All right. Time to talk a little basketball as the, uh, I don't know, the playoffs sort of wind down here anticlimactically. Keith, thanks for joining. Let's uh, let's get right into it. The Lakers are out. The Lakers have been swept. LeBron's future is in question. A lot of the roster is in question, but I want to start with some positive because the, uh, the Austin Reeves situation got better and better as the year went on. Certainly, he was a factor in the postseason, and now he is eligible for restricted free agency. There's a lot out there about this. Um, I want to start with a softball question that I don't know is being asked enough. I, I cover all of these sports closely with this and restricted free agency has become a wink, wink. We're not going to do this situation in many of the leagues. How is it in the NBA? Is it still a viable option for other teams to, to send offer sheets in or is it, is it frowned upon for the most part, except for certain instances? Yeah, that's a really good question. There is a couple different schools of thought on this. There are a handful of uh, teams, mostly led by the ownership group rather than like the general manager, who just they don't believe in Mm -hmm. playing the restricted free agency game. Uh, So what they generally prefer to do is, hey, if we want the guy and you're willing to let him go, let's just work out a deal. Like let's work out some kind of sign and trade or, or something where we can do that. Now there's sometimes because of the hard cap and the things that factor in, if you do complete a sign and trade in that, uh, acquire a player by a sign and trade that is, um, that it's not viable to do, to, to do a sign and trade. So then the only way to get a guy is restrictive free agency. And then there's a, another group that is, Hey, the way for these players to get the most money possible sometimes, uh, which is the case with Austin Reeves mm-hmm. is to actually sign an offer sheet because of the NBA has, you know, I think it's fair to say some weird contractual rules um, at times on, you know, how these salaries come together and work uh, that that can put you in a spot where you have to um, sign these guys to the offer sheet versus uh, just signing them outright to the same exact contract yourself. So, uh, so that that's kind of how it goes. And then there's still definitely the teams that are like, Hey, we have cap space and, we can be a spoiler here, or at very least, we're going to take you off the board for the next couple of years by making you pay a guy, you know, twice as much as as you're interested in, or something in that that realm. So that that definitely exists too. It's kind of you know, all, all sides are still still going this, and I think you know, any team who says this is how we will always handle it, yeah, let me know when you're sitting there with forty million in cap space <laughs> and there's a guy you like. Right. And that's the thing. You know, you, you don't want to burn bridges. You, you know, you, you, you might get yourself into a John Wall situation where you need somebody to buy the contract off of yep. you and you need to have the relationships sort of forged. But um, all those points you made, obviously valid, all fall under under Austin Reeves here. Right there. There's a <laughs> yeah. world where he, he he deserves the max amount of money that he can make at this point of his career. 
There's a world where there's probably three or four teams out there that would love to stick it to the Lakers here. Um, before we get to it and get into the numbers specifically, Keith, how often do offer sheets happen on average per offseason here? We get about one or two okay. uh, realistic each offseason. Now, every once in a while, those are the DeAndre Ayton style last year of go ahead and sign an offer sheet. And we're going to match it, which is always to me, that's a little silly right because that's you know that that that's a good way i think to make sure the player next time they're a free agent is like see you later right i'm out of here that that's what happened uh, very famously with gordon hayward in the utah jazz uh so now what we're seeing what we saw with Aiden is the Suns are like here's our number if you can get more in an offer sheet go but you know we'll still probably match it even all the way up to the max and that's ultimately what happened the indiana pacers who have generally fallen in the camp of hey we're not going to play the offer sheet game let's just work out a trade that's what they did with malcolm brogdon back in the day to to get him to to be fair not not when they traded him to boston um but that they they that wasn't going to happen with the Suns, so they said, "All right, let's do it. Let's sign him to an offer sheet." That might have been, let's you know, get some goodwill with his agency and with the player for maybe down the line or something of of that you know ilk. But that so you get those. But every once in a while, you do get one where it is, "All right, we're going to sign a real offer sheet here and see if the team will blink." And and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It all kind of kind of depends as it comes together. All right, lay out the numbers for me. What can the Lakers do initially speaking and then versus what can an outside team do? Let's say the Spurs, for instance. Yeah, so the Lakers can give him what, what I like to call the the, the Dinwiddie um, extension. <laughs> other people call it other things. I, I just call it that because it's it's what kind of the, the extension he he did there. So what, what that would be is that is, let me make sure I get this uh, number correct. Um they can offer him direct about $60 million over four years. Okay. Um, and that's with, you know, kind of the, the standard raises off of that. Um, and that's because they, they have very, um, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. Yeah. $58 million. Sorry. That, that was, that was my fault on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So what happens there is that's what they can give him. Um, in, in that kind of offer sheet. So what happens in, in this situation is um, with Reeves, because he's arenas limited and they have early bird rights on him, the Lakers are limited in what they can offer, which is $58 million, um, You know, starting at about just under $13 million and going up from there. Okay. Then what happens, though, in an offer sheet, if he gets it, let's say a team – says it, you know, unless you want to spend do you want to spend any more time on what the lakers can do i do out? i do i think this oh, is okay. one of the Let's more fascinating points here there. yeah <laughs> yep so if we pause on, on on the just on the lakers side of it what happens is that's probably not going to be enough in reality for him right at this point i think he's proven he's worth more money than that now there was a point a couple months ago where it might have been all right you know, this is where we're at with with uh, Austin Reeves, and this is what the number is. Now, coming off a great playoff run, that's probably not you know where where he's at a- anymore. So, I think what what we're going to look at in this situation is he is going to be in a spot where it's going to become, um, you know, how do we get to 
um, to the most maximum possible money we can get to. And that's where we land at, you know, probably through an offer sheet process. Okay. And that, and that's what about 90 million, 95 million over four, almost a hundred million. Yeah. It, it's essentially, so here's, here's where these arenas offer sheets get a little wonky. So I'm going to buy, this is a little bit hard in a visual or, or an audio mm-hmm. uh, medium, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out. So what happens in the first year is because he's an arenas level free agent, they're going to give the Lakers the opportunity to match on him up to what is effectively the same as the taxpayer mid level, which is about 12.2 million. Right. Year two on that would go up 5% raise to about 12.8 million. So pretty normal contract to that point where it gets super crazy. Then is then the contract in the offer sheet and the team offering him this can, can do it one of two ways. Either they can say, Hey, we're going to do this as kind of the average um, salary through the four years, or we can do this same structure, but this would be the structure match for the Lakers to, to be clear. So 12.2 million first year, 12.8 million. Well, all right. So we're at roughly, let's call it 25 million. We still got $75 million <laughs> and a hundred million. How does that break out? Right. Cause I think most people know you can't re- jump your contract three times the, the amount from year to year. Well, in this case you can. Yeah. So what happens is it goes up to the 25% um, max uh, amount, which would be thirty six point eight five million in year three, and then in year four, you get a slight raise off that of four point five percent up to thirty eight point five, and that's how we get to the the full max number of just over one hundred million is what another team can offer him. Now that's where we land out. Okay, a couple things I want to get out there, and please confirm as we go here. The Lakers can match any offer sheet. Because they Correct. do have early rights on him, right? It's not like th- there's a there's a, a threshold that a team can go that the Lakers can't get to. It's simply do they want to match it, right? Yeah. So this is where order of operations will end up being really, really important uh, for for the Lakers. Because what happens in this situation is they would they they would basically land out at the. Um, if they let's say they did a sign and trade, let's say they went and got Kyrie Irving because that one just won't go away, <laughs> and they they went and traded, you know, did a sign and trade to get him, then what would happen is they would be subject to the hard cap, and a team could potentially put in an offer sheet where the amount would take them over that hard cap, and they wouldn't be able to do that. But outside of that very specific single scenario, the Lakers have the ability to basically do whatever it is they need. Okay, so from Marie's standpoint, then, and, and I think it's pretty likely that we're headed in this direction. Do you, would you agree? I guess I should ask you that. Do you do you believe an outside offer sheet is coming, Keith, on Austin Reed? I do. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think you know he's. I you can't sign more than one offer sheet. You can only sign one. But I but I think he's going to have probably you know three four teams at least offering him because he's a very easy to fit player mm-hmm. uh, for you know basically every team that has cap space. Um, that, that we project to have cap space, and there are seven of them, um, you could look at it and say, yeah, every single one of those teams would absolutely love to have Austin Reeves, you know, coming in at a salary between 20, 25 million, because he would fit on all of those teams basically perfectly. And, and that's the other caveat. You have to have cap space to make the offer sheet, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can write an offer sheet just direct for the tax 
uh, or non-taxpayer mid-level. So they could do an offer sheet in the non-taxpayer mid-level again, projects to be $12.2 million. So you could do a four-year $52 million offer sheet. But in that case, Austin Reeves would just say, well, I'll just sign for the max I can anyway yeah. with the Lakers and forget that, um, you know, offer sheet, I'll, I'll do you know, the, the bump over it, um, because that's less money than the late, you know, the Lakers are going to offer him the most that they can right out of the gate, which is again, that about 58 million or so. Um, and so he wouldn't even entertain those kind of things because it doesn't make sense because the Lakers would immediately match it. And he'd have lost the, you know, about 6 million, five and a half, six million dollars or so. Okay. Um, one more point on this from both sides, and then we'll get to the a deeper dive into the Lakers specifically here. What is in Austin Reeves' best interest with this? Is, is, yeah, is jumping ship to the Spurs or the Thunder or one of these teams, obviously well, you know, one of the seven or eight teams with cap space who are going to be you know, a fringe contender for the play-in, let's put it that way, at, at very sure. much, versus the last two seasons of LeBron and possibly AD in, in Los Angeles, right? If, if this really is a split contract where it's two years at, at cost essentially, and then two years of inflated cost, which is how this is going to work, that poison pill structure, does it make sense for him to do this somewhere else and, and max out at the near 100 million? Or is there a world where Austin Reeves best, best play here for at least the next couple of seasons is to stay right where he is He's going to make the same salaries, right? It's over the next two seasons. Yep. And, and then move on to a situation that might be beneficial both financially and from a basketball standpoint. Yeah. I mean, there's that thought too, right? It's the, the important thing in restricted free agency that I think people forget is yes, the team can match, but the player still has full control over right. what they signed for in the first place, right? So, Austin Reed, I mean, he could also sign the qualifying offer. He's not going to because that's only. <laughs> 2.2 million but he he could do that if he wanted to and then you'll go in there's a thought out there what the lakers could try to get him to do is hey let's do a one plus one deal i was we'll just gonna you. ask that why wouldn't yep. he just slow play this because the same money is going to be available as long as he doesn't fall yep. off a cliff from a basketball standpoint right exactly and now i think if you're austin reeves and you're looking at it and saying man i've made yeah. you know, peanuts yeah, relatively peaking. if i can get a hundred million dollars i'm gonna get it because if i you know shoot 32% from the field next year and have a rough season, uh, you know, now people think about me differently. Right. So, so right now, I mean, this is, I'm not going to say this is as good as it will ever get for him because I think he's going to be a good player for a long time, but I think, you know, Hey, if I can get a hundred million dollars, you know, fully locked in, like, let's go, let's get that hundred million dollars and move on. So I think it, that that's where it gets a little tricky, but yeah, for him, I think you take, you know, whatever the max you can get right now is just because of where he's coming from in his first couple of years. This guy started on a two-way contract and the like. Um, you know, it it the the other side thing with this, just cause because it's kind of funny, is the Lakers are now in a position where it is um, you know, hey, this is part of why we have this second round signing exception rule coming in in the new CBA. I I, you know 
partially teasingly call it the Polinka rule because <laughs> he kept signing his second round picks to only two year deals. And it kind of cost him with, with Talon Horton Tucker. Now it's costing him with Reeves. It's just become a little bit of a messy thing that they've done. Um, so now in the future, you can be you know, if the player agrees, you can go up to a four year deal uh, for that player. So I just, I, I, that's become kind of a little bit of a funny thing uh, there, but yeah, this is, um, you know, this is, potentially because of that new uh, piece. This is one of the you know last times we may see this become a major thing uh, hmm. for these teams with, you know, an arenas type offer sheet. And I think this is why, you know, again, some of those teams that are in this spot, they may say, yeah, let's get it let's done. Do well, it. Let's go. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. There's, there's a lot changing. I know it, that's kind of the elephant in the room that that super tax situation. But for teams yep. like this, look, look, if if the Lakers were to match a, a max four year for Austin Reeves here and they're dealing with 37, 38 million in three years, that could put them in a situation where if there's three or four stars on this team at that point in time, you know, maybe not even LeBron, that could be you mm -hmm. know, a situation where they'd have to move off a contract. So, um, yep. all right. From the Lakers standpoint. Sorry, uh, I, I just have to say this. I Please. appreciate so much that you called it the super tax. Uh, that just warms my heart. I, I, am, I'm, I am going to make that happen you know, one way or another. So thank you so much. I'm in. I'm in on it for sure. Um, uh, I'll, I'll join you on the Palenka rule too. Let's, let's go. Let's go with everything here. Let's name everything, Keith. All right. From the Lakers side, um, you've mentioned how many of these offer sheet situations get, get converted into sign and trades. Uh, I would agree that's probably the best case for a lot of scenarios. Where do the Lakers fall here? Is is signing this, is matching whatever the best case uh, because of LeBron's window, because of AD's window? Both are basically on a one plus one, right? I mean, a yeah. AD's got an ETO yep. after this year, after this upcoming season. Um, this window is slamming shut as quickly as it started, really. Uh, so just throwing a, throwing a four-year backloaded contract for Austin Reeves into this mess make it make it work or is it going to be more trouble than not yeah I, I i so the first phase of this is i think the lakers are going to stay as an over the cap team mm -hmm. i think all this kyrie irving stuff is just noise i just it doesn't make a lot of sense now if anybody ever in the history of the game if you told me like yeah they're going to take 10 million less in first year salary then they could get anywhere else 20 million less in first year salary it's like all right Kyrie's the one I can believe would do it um but I think what we're in a spot in this situation is I think they're going to stay over the cap they're going to keep Reeves they're going to keep Rui Hachimura they're probably going to do what they can to keep Dennis Schroeder Lonnie Walker you know and operate as an over the cap team so in that world where you're not wiping the deck clean of salary to some extent you probably have to approach it as we have to put the best possible team that we can around LeBron and AD and Austin Reeves is definitely a big part of of that so I think you you match it then you let that you know jump into the 30 plus million dollar salary range let that be you know tomorrow's problem to, to deal with you know down the line and and the reality is there's a chance we'll see how they play this out because i also think some players there, there's two things that in play here for the lakers right as you said you've got ad and lebron under contract for next year the year after player options right for both of those guys they, they can move on if they want to so you might have one year you might have two years then in the, the summer of 25 26 that's when the cap is expected to go up the maximum 10% that is now going to be allowable because of the cap smoothing with the new tv contract 
So what you're going to see is you could have a Lakers team by the time the Reeves contract kicks in at 36 million or whatever it is, that might be the only salary on the books because you, you know, you, you might've wiped everything else. Cause I think you're going to have two things at play for them. One players are going to say, all right, I'll sign up for a year or two and tie myself to however long LeBron and AD may be here. Or you might have players just flat out saying, ah, I'd like to be a free agent in 2025 when the cap's mm-hmm. going to go, go up 10%. So that that's the other piece. So they give you the Lakers. I match that offer. She move on, let, let it kind of be, yeah, thirty-six million is going to be too much for for Austin Reeves two years from now. Um, no matter almost what happens, you know, realistically, but it's not going to be something where it's like, oh my gosh, we can't build out the roster because we have him at thirty-six million. It's they'll be they'll be able to plan and do what they need to do. It's going to be half the top salary in, in basketball at the time. I mean, <laughs> pretty close. We're, it's, we're going to be at seventy million at that point, don't you? Yeah. Don't you agree? I I. I I have, I'd have to game it out and look at like who could be free agents that year right. and what's the most they could sign for and all that. But but we're getting close. I mean, the, the reality is, um, you know, I know that we're talking five years down the line here, but if Jason Tatum signs the Supermax sure. that he's now eligible for and adds the most possible years to his deal that he can, he'll be a $70 million player in the final year of that contract. And that's going to happen is, next summer. Don't you agree? I a hundred percent think so. Like, I don't think there's any doubt that, that he, uh, <laughs> you know, for that. All right. So, uh, I think I'm kind of reading your tea leaves. It's going to be more of the same for the Lakers and why not? Right. I think this team overachieved for the last stretch run here after that deadline and, and and some really savvy GM work from Palinka. Why not run this thing back as as long as LeBron is going to run this back? I don't think there's a, there's a morsel in you that believes he's actually retiring. Is that okay? Yeah, not at all. (laughs) Yeah. Just an exhausted player saying things after the game. That's all. Yeah. That's it. Raw, physically hurting, emotionally hurting. Uh, his one of his best friends just retired that yeah. same morning. You know, I think he's looking at it and saying, man, five months from now, I got to be ready to do this again. And it probably seems like that's an impossible task then. But yeah, I think, you know, let him get his feet up for a couple months here. And if there's a surgery, I do think the Lakers have to be, you know, run it back, but also run it back with, you got to make some tweaks. You got to add, you have to have more front court depth yeah. um, because, you know, AD and LeBron, like combined, they're going to play in probably they're probably each play in 60 games feels like the high end for those guys just at this point in their careers. And, and there's a lot of stuff out there. You know, the Lakers go to LeBron and be like, hey, you want to skip the whole East Coast road trip done? Like we we don't care. Like Whatever it is we need to do to get you ready and have you ready you know for the for the the playoff push but yeah so i think you run it back for the most part make some tweaks around the edges fill out your depth a little bit and they're in a much much better place uh, than they were a year ago when the roster was really james davis russell westbrook and a whole bunch of guys on minimums now you know through through those trades they really rebuilt themselves in a in a way where this is a team if you just rolled in with this same roster next year that's probably a top 16 in the West. And that's already a much better spot than you were in this past season. If they're going to stay over and operate from a, from a timing standpoint that way, are they just limited to exceptions for signing free agents at that point? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, pending, you know, what happens with not so much Reeves, because I think we can 
very confidently pencil him in for that $12.2 million right. amount or you know, uh, potentially more if he did just say, I just do want to resign with the Lakers. It's really pending how much they give Hachimura. Um, they could be and sh- arguably should be in a position to use the full uh, non-taxpayer MLE at $12.2 million. So if they do that, you know, that they're they're going to be in decent, decent shape. They also, like I think it's going a little under uh, looked and talked about is – they have um, the ability to trade the 2023 pick. They have to do it after they'd make the selection. So that'd be one where it's like the Lakers are picking for mm. team X here. Um, and then, you know, they trade that, that pick away to get something, you know, in a pre-arranged deal, that could be how that goes down. So, so they've got a lot more optionality that didn't exist a year ago. Okay. Fair enough. It's, it's a positive approach for sure. Uh, speaking of which, I guess, right. Let's get to, some free agency. I know it's early, but it's kind of where most of the league already is right now. Right, yep. <laughs> operating in off-season mode, and, uh, and and it's not a great free agent list. It really never is going to be again in this league because of the way that they operate with with rights and how frivolous teams are with trading, which is a great for uh, transactional people like us, Keith. But um, let's just talk about raw free agents, players who are actually eligible for unrestricted free agency right now. No option situations. I mean, I guess you can throw in a, an option that is absolutely going to be punted on if you want to. But do you have a kind of a hard and fast sure. top 10 players that are going to be available for teams with cap space or with uh, some sort of tra- sign and trade eligibility ahead of them here? Yeah, and generally what I do well, well, when I lay these free agents out, and you can you can see this uh, over on Spot Track. Um, if anybody wants to look, I I use the same process teams do, which is but and I'm not saying my my thoughts are the same as every team, but teams basically plug guys into the All Star tier, starter tier, rotation tier, and fringe tier. And what happens in those is All Star doesn't mean every single one of these guys was an All Star, but it's they played at an at an All Star type level starter is yeah they start or they have the same rough impact as a starter uh like a guy like malcolm brogdon for example he came off the bench all year for boston but if he was a free agent this summer and to be clear he is not he would be in the starter tier and then the rotation tier is guys that are the rotation players right some of them start some of them you know maybe come on you know more most of them come off the bench but these are just good solid rotation players and then fringe guys are exactly what it sounds like they're the end of the bench guys that you know they're basically replacement level across the board so when we get there um this summer then the next piece is i start looking as i'm gonna rank these guys all right this guy's a free agent but there are free agents and there's guys who are he's a free agent but he's definitely gonna resign the kind of fun thing about this summer is none of the top guys are are absolutely in that boat where it's like, well, there's no way that player is leaving. There's some we can look at and say, eh, maybe, maybe not. But yeah, if we get into the top 10 guys, um, I have at the top of the list, James Harden, sure. who, you know, if we we're having this conversation a year ago, I would have said, all right, yeah, he's the top free agent, but he's not leaving Philly. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, I don't know, maybe he is going to go to Houston because that just won't go away. And that buzz keeps building uh, for him. Similar guy on the next level, Kyrie Irving is my number two overall free agent, unrestricted free agent. Uh, you know, Dallas looks like maybe we'll see. You know, there there were reports that there was a handshake deal. Kyrie himself came out yesterday and was like, "Don't listen to anybody but me." 
you know, I'm, I'm one of one in my agency too, because he, he operates himself. Um, you know, so it is, uh, you know, he basically was like, you know, Hey, nothing's decided and I'm not going to rush him. We'll, we'll figure it out with that. So those are my top two guys. And, you know, there was a point where normally you'd be like, all right, they're free agents, but they're not going anywhere. So let's move down the list. But I think there is a chance both of those guys could be in different spots. That's where, where are they financially? Uh, what, the teams or the two players? Just, just those two players. Like how much they should be. I mean, I mean, there are there's a world where James Harden is still a max player to some people. Sure. Uh, yeah. I guess if if Kyrie is this high in the list, he's gonna bank, right? I mean, he's not gonna yeah. be signing for an exception unless it's a a wink wink yeah. situation <laughs> with the Lakers, like you've already alluded yeah. to. But uh, I mean, if these guys are are the guys still, which I I cannot believe that they are, but they are, we're going big again, aren't we? Yeah, I would struggle to see James Harden leave the Sixers for anything less than a max. Um, that just would wouldn't make sense to me, um, you know, in that situation. And I think, you know, I I completely disagree. And I wrote this in their offseason preview. If I'm the Rockets, I'm not playing with this. This is this understand. is not the direction I would go. Yeah. But it seems like they're going to, and you know, and it's that's probably a max deal. There's rumor Brian Windhorst from ESPN reported yesterday that Philly doesn't want to give him the max. You know, Philly is in a spot where they don't really feel like he, he should be a max player. So I think what happens in that situation is we get into a spot where it is all right. Well, if he's not really a max player, you know, well, what are we doing? You know, where are we going from the uh, Philadelphia side on this? My guess is it'd be close enough to a max that it wouldn't really matter. Then with Kyrie Irving, like I laid out, this could go any number of ways. My guess is probably does just end up back in Dallas on a max deal. And then a year or two, from now we're having the conversation about well Kyrie doesn't want to be in Dallas anymore you know who's going to trade for him and where is this going to go the other thing with James Harden that just one one last thing that I want to point out with this and I wrote this when I wrote up his kind of next contract piece for the site he's limited by the over 38 rule uh, coming into play for him so he's functionally limited to a four-year deal with Philly and without so that does not normally it's that fifth year at you know 50 plus million dollars in his case it'd be 60 million that makes the major difference between a you know re-signing with a team and leaving for somewhere else in this case it's nine million dollars or so is the difference and I don't think James Harden really cares about no. that dollars at this point if he wants to be in Houston he's he's going back to Houston that's just the reality of it and I just think that the buzz when he signs a four for 211 or whatever it's going to be is going to be it's just you know the NBA in a nutshell is really what it is everybody continues to get money no matter what happens absolutely Uh, keep running who's on your list here any big men we can talk about here so so guy who I think is really really in play Chris Middleton is the third guy on the list got a player option but he's definitely going to opt out if for no other reason to add more years to to his uh, you know next contract he wants to lock up his next four or maybe five years if he stays with the box. He's another guy could approach maybe a max probably won't. He's probably going to come in slightly under that. Again, a lot of buzz that he could be in play. Part of the reason why he's in play is the looming super tax concerns for the Milwaukee Bucks. They re-signed Middleton to, let's just say, $30 million even. They're going to be so expensive moving forward. They're going to have a hard time to fill out the rest of the roster. Because here's what happens. Here's you know some of the stuff that's coming in if you, if you are a super tax team. You will be 
immediately this summer, the super tax teams, which right now that's the Warriors and the Clippers, been a handful of other teams may join them. You don't have the taxpayer mid-level exception. That just goes away. You can't use that. That's the big, big one they're hitting, hitting you with right off the jump. In the future years, starting in the summer of 2024, they're basically giving everybody a year to, hey, get your stuff in order here before we start really dropping the hammer on you. What's going to happen then in that summer? You you won't have the taxpayer mid-level. You tax penalties are much harsher. You're going to get you know, hit with harder penalty. In trades, you can't aggregate players together in trades anymore. So you can't take an $11 million player and a $12 million player and go get yourself a $25 million player. It's dollar for dollar by one player. So it's going to be much harder for you to make trades. That's going to lead to something. I'm not going to get into it in these top 10 guys. But you're going to see players over the next year plus get contracts where you're like, ooh, that feels hefty, right? That feels like you know, 10 million more than what I thought he would get in a season because what they're going to do for those guys is we need to turn them into walking trade exceptions, right? <laughs> I need 25 million in matching salary. So I'm going to pay my $15 million player, 25 million because, you know, I don't care about the, the tax penalty on that. I need to build out my roster flexibility. The other thing that's obviously going to happen, which could happen here with Chris Middleton the Bucs could get squeezed and they may look at it and be like, yeah, we are not the Warriors or the Clippers or the Nets or any of these teams that this was designed to really punish. So we're in a spot now where, all right, we're, we're in a different world and we need to look at this you know, a little bit differently here. And that, that's where I think we're going to get into a spot where, all right. This this is gonna be look look different now, right? Where we're we're now all of a sudden it's gonna be, you know, all right, Chris Middleton, this is the most we can give you. Oh, one of these cap space teams thinks you're the missing piece to push them over the top and you can get more than that. All right, good luck. We'll we'll fill it out around Giannis and Drew Holiday as best we can, you know, other ways. Wow. Wow. That it makes sense. New coach. Yeah. Brooke Lopez is also a UFA right now. There's a, there's yep. a, it could be a, a, a decent amount of turnover in Milwaukee sure. this offseason. No question. All yep. right. Who's next? Yep. All right. Draymond Green is my fourth mm. guy. Yeah. He slipped, but still one of the absolute best defenders in the league. I don't think he leaves the Warriors. I know that's kind of been out there and floated, but I think in the end, that's a situation where everybody comes to their you know common sense and says, hey, we're better together than we ever are apart. Let's try to tie you and Clay and Steph together contractually. You know, so all your deals are wrapping up at the same time. And, you know, let's let's continue to make runs at this over the next couple of years and ride off into the sunset together. I assume you believe Jordan Poole will be traded then. I think there's a chance. Yeah, I think there's a good chance. I think, I think again, you know, not out of any sense of can't afford it because mm-hmm. the Warriors can clearly afford him, but out of the roster flexibility piece of it, it's going to be, all right, we've got to get some stuff in line. And I think, I think what you're going to see is they're going to do what they can to say, all right, we won the title a year ago, but this year we got bounced. We want to make the most of these last couple years of, you know, near peak level, I guess, uh, of these guys or, you know, at least, you know, contender level. Let's trade Jordan Poole. Maybe we move uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Maybe we move draft picks. Let's really try to do what we can to load up to try to get ourselves in a spot where we can really contend. I actually think Jordan Poole is the one that's going to pull that trigger, you know, and possible go to the front office and say, look, I think I'm I'm better served elsewhere and uh, try to restart my my process here. Uh, and sure. it probably benefits everybody. Does Draymond just get the Jordan Poole contract then, or is 32 a year just way too much? 
Yeah, that's probably a little high. I'm thinking he's probably going to be more in the 25 range-ish. And this may be one, too, where it's time to, all right, you know, we'll give you 30 in year one, but then we're going to, it's going to knock down over the next couple years uh, for him. You know, I, I, I think we're, we're definitely at that point for Draymond Green. I would not be giving him the 8% raises mm. each year. So uh, we go to the next guy on the list, Fred Van Vliet. His name's been been all sorts of stuff at the trade deadline. The Raptors hung on to him. Generally, that would signal to me, all right, they're going to try to re-sign him. But I think that was more of a case of, hey, we're still trying to be good. Like we 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 don't want to bottom this team out mid-season. Uh, so Fred VanVleet, um, you know, he's kind of hitting the weird spot in his career where he's going to be uh, twenty-nine. You know, go going in, he's twenty-nine now. Be uh, you know, turn thirty midway through next season. So that starts to be a little bit of a Still a warning flag, or, or I guess a signpost is a better way to put it, for um, small guards, but can play on, off ball. He's somebody I know a lot of the cap space teams have been linked to, so so we'll, we'll see. And there's a big sense of Toronto may be hitting the – not not the blow it up button, but the reset button. Like let, let's let let's go back, uh, you know, a little bit here. Let let's retool around Siakam, Ananobi, Barnes. You know, maybe just two of those three, and you know, let let let's start start doing this. And that's where Van Vliet could get caught up in the wash. I think it's a team many teams are identifying as poachability, right? Yep, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the, yeah, the yep. Barnes and, and maybe maybe Ananobi, and then that, then I, I do think Siakam's one of those big time trade candidates this offseason. It's been a couple years coming. All right, couple more. Agreed. All right, so I'm going to go into two guys who are in uh, situations that I like to call. Let's keep an eye out on June 30 for extensions for these guys, mm-hmm. and that's Jeremy Grant and Brooke Lopez. Uh, d- d- different uh, players, obviously, and different kinds of players, but both are guys who are neither one, in my opinion, are max salary type players. Uh, both of them can get enough of a bump over their current contracts that it makes sense to extend, and both of them are in situations where I think their teams would rather keep them than see them leave. So I think in Jeremy Grant's case, I think he is hopeful that there's more money waiting for him in free agency than maybe is out there that he can get just by extending. But I think this may be one by, you know, because, you know, God forbid anybody has a conversation before the negotiation (laughs) window opens, right? That never happened. Um, You know, but, you know, once that, those conversations happen, I think Jeremy Grant may realize all right, you know what? I'm. I I need to, you know, probably look at, uh, you know, maybe maybe sign an extension here. And I think Brooke Lopez is in the same place. Lopez, I wrote up a piece for him on the site as well, um, where it is for Brooke Lopez. He's also facing the over 38 rule. That makes it kind of a three year deal for him, but that should be more than enough. I think the Bucks want to keep him right where he is. He had a great season sure this year but you know after what was kind of a lost season you know a couple years ago he, he really came back you know with an outstanding season um you know this year so i think you know just get him signed to an extension those those are two guys that i don't know the weird thing now with free agency is because of these we're seeing this increase in these extensions that get done on june 30th you'll hear you know the milwaukee box have, have agreed to a new contract with brooke lopez because the the negotiation window is already open at 6 p.m. Right. on you know June 30th, but then it's going to be one of those where we're going to be like, wait, is this an extension or is this a new deal? We're going to be scrambling a little bit to figure that out, and then that's when people like me have to start doing math because it's like, <laughs> wait, is that more than what he could get in the extent? No, it's in the you know. All right, let's see where it goes. So so I've got them kind of in the same boat. 
Um, just because, oh, just, just to clarify what your what you're saying there, Keith, is because up until July 1st, so on June 30th, there's we're still operating in 2022, 23 money, right? Correct. Yep, yep. Even though that negotiation window is open, we're still in this current league year until we hit midnight. Okay, I I agree with you on the Jeremy Grant stand where. He's probably out there looking for 25 a year, maybe a four for 100 situation, and it might just not be there. Yeah. Um, we get underwhelmed with free agent contracts. I mean, Jalen Brunson got 26. What does that look like now? 12 yeah. months later. Yeah. You know what I <laughs> yep. mean? I, I mean, that's where we are with really our top free agents. Yep. Um, there are two players outside of, you know, superstar extensions like a, like an Aiton or, or a Levine or a Beal. There were two players that averaged 25 million or more a year, 20 million more a year in last year's free agent class. It just doesn't happen anymore. So I think if you're going out there looking for, you know, greener grass, bluer sky, that June 30th extension might be your best option. And then you can always force your way out, you know, after the restriction. Yeah. I'll say this too. You know, one thing that it sounds great to be the Houston Rockets and have $60 million in cap space. And don't get me wrong. It's, it is great for them. Until you blow forty-seven million of it on James Harden, <laughs> now you've got enough to sign one other kind of nice player, and that's it. They're, your whole summer is basically done. You know, barring trades, which I would expect if they do, they resign Harden. A whole bunch of the kids on that roster, I hope they rented versus bought homes because they're they're probably going to be be getting moved on in, in trades. Um, you know, with that. All right, if we round out our top ten. Uh, you know, my, my top 10 uh, free agents this summer, Kristaps Porzingis, Nikola mm. Vucevic, and Kyle Kuzma. Those are my guys um, to round out the top 10. All, you know, different players, but all good players. Porzingis, mostly healthy season and had arguably the best season of his career. Yeah. He really did a lot of good stuff offensively and defensively. Challenge is it's the Wizards. They have now a brand new uh, head of basketball operations, uh, Michael Winger, coming over from uh, the LA Clippers to to run uh, the, the Wizards basketball ops. So we don't know how he's going to feel, right? That's a whole just we're going to find out. Yeah. Um, but going off history, this is a franchise that has tended to try to keep their own guys. And I think what you're going to see is Porzingis has a player option. I think he opts out with the idea of, hey, I can get another four, maybe even a five-year deal. You know, let's go. I don't know that it'll approach the max, but I don't think it's going to be far under it. That then puts – I'm going to skip Vucevic. I'll come back to him. But that puts then Kyle Kuzma – in play, I think a little bit more. There's no chance Kuzma extends. He makes far too little. Um, he's only making 13 million, even with the, the changed rules and how much you can offer players instead of 120% raise, you can offer now 140% raise. It's also that doesn't start in time to give Kuzma that 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 that's because they'll still be operating under this current CBA. So 100 percent can be a free agent. And I think if you're the Wizards and again, we're going to find out how this new front office prioritizes these players uh, here over the next month or so. You can you really go in with Beal making 50 million, Porzingis making probably 30 million and then a whole bunch of other contracts still on the books from other guys. Daniel Gafford steel jumps up quite a bit. And then you're kind of looking at it like, man, can we pay Kuzma 25 million a year? Like, or all of a sudden now we're, we're a tax team that, you know, couldn't even make the play in tournament. That's where it gets a little bit sideways. And I think Kuzma could be a little bit more in play than, you know, it may look like he would be uh, 
considering career year, still, you know, young ish as far as, you know, his age, he'll only be 28 before next season. So, so I think he could be in play. I bet there are plenty of teams right now that have Kuzma way higher on their list right now in yeah, terms of available options, yep. a big wing who can shoot, who can get to the basket. I yep. mean, that just reeks of the Knicks right now, if they can get off that Randall contract, but um, <laughs> there are definitely teams that, that have him in the top three of, of names. They want to be eyeing yep. in the next couple of months here. Uh, Vucevic, and that's a really great point. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but that's a really great point too, because even though right, I'm approaching this from a, just an overall league wide here it is. But if I'm a team that's guard position is stacked right. and loaded, I probably don't even have Fred Van Vliet on my list, right? Because what sense does that make? If I'm the um, San Antonio Spurs, there's guys on this a bunch of the guys we just covered. They're not going to be on their list, even though they have cap space, because they're simply too old, right? It doesn't make sense for them where they're going in their contention arc. Um, you know, they could be even. The Rockets, if they you know, were not in the Harden uh, sweepstakes here, right? They they could go a different way. Um, Nikola Vucevic is the last. He he's so all the guys I gave you up to to Porzingis, mm-hmm. then Vucevic. Those are the last guys in my All Star tier. Um, so there's only nine players this year that I feel like are All Star tier players. <laughs> it's getting worse but, every year, Keith. <laughs> yeah, it really is because you, you're right. It's what it is now is now trades are the way, yeah. right? Like it's, it's, it's trades. But in this case with Vucevic, really good offensive season. I know some people are killing him because he's not a great defender. People are like, I don't know. Is he really that good? He's a walking double, double that has value in the league. He scores efficiently. Um, he rebounds the heck out of the ball. You put the right defenders around him. He's shown he can at least hold up. He's, he's not going to be any worse than Nikola Jokic is defensively. And with all the right guys around him, and I'm not saying he's good anywhere near Jokic offensively, but with the right guys around him, Denver's put together a good enough defense to get to the final. So I think, you know, in this case, Vucevic is what's interesting is this is going to be a litmus test for where are the Bulls going, right? Are they basically saying, all right, we're kind of stuck with the Lonzo Ball contract for two more years. So if we give Vuce a two year deal, that kind of aligns him with, you know, we'll get to Rosen's next year. We've got a couple more years of Vooch and Levine. We'll figure out the ball contract. Then we can really reset everything around Zach Levine, you know, in two, two years from now. I think that may be where this goes. So I think it's probably going to be a shorter deal, but probably just resigns in Chicago. They bring him back and say, hey, you know, if we can just get a little bit healthier and a little bit better point guard play, you know, we, we could be right there in the mix to be a playoff team again, you know, next season. So, so that's where it is. It's not, it's, it's what's, Interesting is, and I know we're not going to spend the next you know, hours going through the rest of the list, it gets really interesting after that because there's a ton of free agents that are pretty good players that I think are guys who could really help you know, swing things for teams, guys like, you know, restricted guys like Cam Johnson. We already spent a lot of time on Austin Reeves, but, you know, uh, Grant Williams, P.J. Washington, uh, Josh Hart's probably going to be a free agent, Jordan Clarkson, uh, Dylan Brooks, who everybody's kind of hating on right now, but is still a pretty good player, uh, Harrison Barnes, Christian Wood, Jakob Pertl. I mean, there's a lot of guys who are really good players that are going to help fill out, you know, starting lineups and rotation spots and, and all that. It's just, it's, you know, kind of light at the top in star power. I'll tell you what, we'll shelve the trade stuff for another day because uh, we got a lot of good info out here. By the way, <laughs> I am kicking myself for not getting Cam Johnson in this conversation. That's an offer sheet situation. That Definitely. Is, Absolutely is. Yeah. Now, yeah. I think the Nets, 
just match it and just say, go, oh, you know, because I, I don't think it gets super crazy with an offer sheet for Cam Johnson. I, I would, if I was any one of these cap space teams, I would, especially since the Nets did it to a whole bunch of teams, uh, <laughs> you know, several years ago, I'd be like, hey, how's it feel to be on the other side? Now, now you can match a hundred million dollar offer sheet, but I would, I would give him without a doubt a four year, hundred million dollar offer sheet wouldn't even be a question in my mind. And I know I know somebody just listened to this and either swerved off the road or maybe threw up in their mouth a little bit because they're like, $25 million a year. That's where we're going. That's oh, where it's headed. You know, I mean, that's yeah. like, like you said, that's half of a max deal. You know, that's that's that, that's where we're going. And Cam, Cam Johnson, 100% a half of a max player, like for sure. So that's just, you know, that's that's the reality of the new NBA and you know, where all these salaries are going. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't even blink no. at giving him that. And, and you know what? The Nets wouldn't blink at offering it. You know, you'd have to get close to a full max offer sheet for the Nets, I think, to say, uh, I don't know about about offering um, offering uh, uh, or matching that offer sheet. Even then, they're probably going to come kind of close because one thing working in the Nets favor that not a lot of people are talking about. And this is bread. So I don't you know keep us here for the next hours is Mikhail Bridges is on an undervalued contract oh, yeah. already. You know, he's only next year, twenty one point seven million. Like that is, you know, all of a sudden that is absolutely one of the best value deals in the entire NBA. So it's not really how it works. But if you think of it as, well, he's a max guy. Well, then, all right, if he's not a max guy and he's at that, then we can give Cam Johnson around the max. And we're still at it to the same place for the two players as we would have been otherwise, you know, true value wise. So that's that's just something to consider is, is the Nets, uh, you know, potentially have to con- match an off sheet. My guess is. That's one of the first deals done in free agency is the Nets just lock him up themselves and don't play games with it. Great stuff as always, Keith. What's uh, what's coming up the docket on SpotTrip.com? Do you have a couple in the queue for us? Yeah, so we we just uh, put put out the Bulls um, offseason preview. Uh, came out just a couple of days ago. Oklahoma City will go up, I think, probably today as we record this on Thursday. Um, it's it's a weird time of year here. We're, we're in the end of the school year, so it's like I'm working around half days and my whole week's out of rhythm and everything else. But it's um, but we're gonna get them up, and that's it for the non playoff teams. Then we'll get into the playoff teams, and we get all those coming. We get some more free agency stuff coming out. I'm gonna write my annual um. And I'm going to I'm going to take a second pat myself on the back um, rookie scale extension yeah. uh, uh, predictions. And I think I did pretty well on a bunch of those a, a year ago. I, I, I nailed some of them perfectly and and hit on a few others. I, you know, so I'm uh, excited to see, you know, get into that because this will be the first time it's man. I got to really think about this with the new super tax world we're heading right. into. But, yeah, we get a lot of stuff coming here over the ne- next month. Drafts less than a month away and free agencies, you know, month and five days out from starting. I love it. Let's uh let's talk soon about possible trade candidates, which could take yeah. us four hours because this is a trade <laughs> league. And then why don't we talk about maybe what the Spurs should be doing with their uh, newfound lottery win here and, and just it. how quickly they should be operating with uh with Wemby in mind here. Cause I think that's a fascinating play with uh you know, you've got the value in him for at least two to three years here. Do you go all in now and just hope he's mature enough to, to handle it? Or do you have to actually slow play this thing like LeBron's you know career took a few years to get going? I, I think that's a fascinating situation with the value in sports right now. I'm with you because he and he's even kind of hinting a little bit at, uh, you know, wanting to be good sooner rather than later. 
Like he's he's already kind of you know ta- talking about you know all the winning he's going to do. So I, I don't know that he's going to be on board with them saying you know ah, let, let's let's let this play out for the next you know <laughs> three seasons. I think he's going to be like no, let's try to win now. I think he's supremely confident, which is a lot of fun. I love it. You gave me some homework there, Keith. Thanks as always. <laughs> Thank you. My thanks to Keith. You can follow him at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter, and you can read him pretty much daily at this point on SpotTrack.com. As he mentioned, the offseason previews have been coming in rapidly, and he's going to dive into some big league free agency trade rookie extension discussions as the weeks go on here and the draft and offseason approach. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. <laughs>